Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts, gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Uh, well, I must say, it's a great joy to be opening up God's Word together on my first official Sunday commissioned as Uni Church pastor. I'm very excited to see what God might do amongst us over the coming uh, months and years as we seek to make disciples together. Uh, but I'm aware that for many of us, it might not be 100% clear what you're signing up for when you get a new pastor. I noticed, as Evan asked that question to you all, there was that slight moment of hesitation. Uh, what's the answer going to be? Thankfully, you all said we will. That was very kind of you. Uh, but it's worth asking, what, what is the, the job description of a pastor? Like, what is this new thing um, that's happening? Uh, so I thought it would be fitting for my first sermon uh, in this new role at Uni Church for us to look together at that great passage, Ephesians 4, a passage that helps us... Uh, Look at both the, the job description um, of a pastor, but also how that connects uh, to the rest of the church as a whole. Uh, so you've got a Bible there, please do uh, keep it open at Ephesians 4. I'll have the key verses up on screen, but it'll be even better if you've got a physical copy in front of you so you can see where those verses fit in context. Uh, so have a look in your Bibles with me at verse 11, where we see the word pastor turn up. We can see if we can nut out something about their job description. Verse 11 it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Uh, so here we see, in context, Jesus is giving gifts to his church. And in this passage in particular, the gifts are actually people. The gifts are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All of them are people, and all of them are leaders who speak God's word to God's people. But today we're zeroing in particularly on that word pastor. What does it mean that Jesus has given his people pastors? I mean, right off the bat, it's a pretty strange word, uh, made especially confusing by the Australian accent and our inability to produce uh, the letter R. I remember as a kid growing up, uh, our pastor's na name was Alan Nunn. Yeah, the American in the um, audience is laughing because they pronounce it like, as my wife would say, it's a pastor. Um, but growing up, our, our pastor's name was Alan Nunn, and so we would always call him Pastor Nunn. Um, and I was so confused as to why we were calling him pastor. Like, I'd always been a big fan of spaghetti, but it just felt weird to be doing this. Like, pastor belongs on the dinner table, not up the front at church. Uh, so it's helpful to know that the word uh, pastor or pastor is uh, simply the Latin word for shepherd. Uh, and I must say, I don't know why we've stuck with the Latin on this one. 
uh, since the New Testament wasn't even originally written in Latin, it was written in Greek, but for whatever reason, over the centuries, that word uh, stuck. So just remember, whenever you see the word pastor in the New Testament, it's literally just the word shepherd. That's all it means. Uh, So you could read Ephesians 4, he gives apostles, evangelists, prophets, shepherds and teachers. A helpful way to remember this connection is to think of the Think of the word pasture, which comes from the exact same root word. You know, a pastor tends his flock in good pasture. Uh, So it's just like Evan mentioned before from 1 Peter 5, where it tells the elders of the church to to be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. It's the exact same word there. Church leaders are to be shepherds of God's flock. Or check out Acts 20, 28, uh, where it says to church leaders, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to them, he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, be shepherds of the church of God. Now, the word shepherd itself tells you a lot about a pastor's job description. Uh, A shepherd is not a CEO trying to run an efficient business, only concerned about the bottom line. A shepherd is a leader, yes, but a leader who cares for the sheep, who who is to know them and tend to them and feed them. And notice how Acts 20.28 says to keep watch over all the flock. It's emphasizing that a pastor shouldn't just care uh, over some parts of the flock, over some of the sheep and ignore others, because a good shepherd knows and cares for all the flock. I mean, in ancient Israel, your average shepherd, uh, shepherd wasn't operating a, a huge sheep station with thousands or hundreds of thousands of sheep. Instead, they might have a much smaller flock, a couple of hundred perhaps, and good shepherds would know every one of the sheep under their care. I saw this video come up on Facebook of this old uh, BBC clip from 1963, uh, where the BBC people uh, visited this English shepherd, and he's this, got this flock of hundreds of sheep, and they all look identical. Uh, But they've got these little metal tags on their ears with individual identification numbers. And they set a challenge for him where the BBC guy would pick out a sheep from random, um, from a distance so that he couldn't see at all what the metal tags said, and see if he could tell which sheep was which. So the BBC guy picks out one sheep at random, and from a distance the shepherd says, Oh, that's S52, daughter of N8. And the BBC guy checks the ear tag and says, Wow, correct. Well, What about this one? And the shepherd says, oh, that's T11. That's the sister of the one you caught just now, actually, funnily enough. Once again, correct. Then the BBC guy picks out a third one, and again from a distance, the shepherd says, oh, that's 275. She's the mother of the carcass champion in 1958 at the Smithfield show. This guy knows his sheep. And it's crazy. I mean, you can watch the video, because to an outsider, the sheep look identical. Like, you can't tell them apart at all. But this guy knew his sheep so well that he could somehow tell them apart. And that's a great picture of what a pastor is called to do. I mean, I'm tempted to do the thing with the metal ear tags just to make life easier in case I lose track of any of you. Um, I've heard it, you know, hurts a little bit as you put it on, but you get used to it very quickly. So we'll get those uh, in next week. But no, a a pastor is to care for all the flock because he, he, he knows them. And that's actually one of my big goals for these first six to 12 months is simply to get to know the flock, to get to know this group of people that God has brought together. Some of you know me better than others because of being on campus or whatever else, but Acts 20.28 is clear that a pastor needs to keep watch over all the flock. And so I want to go out of my way to do that. 
uh, to get to know you, to hear your stories, to get to know how God has wired you, how he's been at work in your life, for you to be able to get to know me as well. Uh, And of course, that'll take time, but a good shepherd knows his sheep. And I'm excited for us to get to know each other better over the coming months ahead. Okay, so part of a pastor's job description uh, is to keep watch over all the flock. But Ephesians 4 shows us another key element of what a pastor is supposed to do, and it's not what you might expect. Because you, you might think, well, what does a pastor do? Well, a pastor does ministry. And that's an understandable assumption, but that's not actually what the New Testament says. The pastor's role is not to do ministry. Sounds weird, but don't take my word for it. Have a look at Ephesians 4 from verse 11 again and into verse 12. Verse 11, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to do what? Verse 12 says, To equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, it's helpful to know that whenever you see the word service in the New Testament, that's the exact same word that's normally translated ministry. Service and ministry, uh, those mean the same things. Uh, To minister someone is simply to serve them. And so that phrase, uh, works of service, uh, is more literally translated in the ESV, the work of ministry. But as you can see from this verse, the role of the pastor teacher is not to do the work of ministry, is it? What is it? It's to equip God's people for the work of ministry. So uh, my job at at Uni Church is not to be the one who does all the ministry. And I must say it's a really good thing uh, that that's the case because if it was, if that was my job to do all the ministry, I would be a huge bottleneck and barrier to good ministry happening at Uni Church because one person can only do so much. But when all of God's people together are equipped to do the work of ministry, well, that's going to lead to things happening all over the place, isn't it? You know, if evangelism was the job of one dude at the front, it would be so limited. Not that much of it would happen. But if 100 plus uni churches are equipped to do evangelism, to share Jesus with your friends in places that I can't go, in relationships and backgrounds that you guys have that I'll never have, Well, evangelism is going to be happening left, right, and center, isn't it? If one-to-one discipleship was the job of one dude at the front, there's only so many hours in the week. But if 100-plus uni churches are equipped to do one-to-one discipleship, that could just flourish and thrive and multiply, couldn't it? And I think this is a huge testament to how well Jeff did his job as uni church pastor. It's not like the moment he left, all ministry stopped happening. No, not at all. Hub groups kept happening. One-to-one discipleship kept happening. Evangelism kept happening. People welcoming each other and serving each other kept happening, both in formal and informal ways. Because the pastor didn't just do the work of ministry. He equipped God's people for the work of ministry. So that's the, the pastor's job description. Keep watch over all the flock and equip God's people for the work of ministry. Uh, So next, let's look at the minister's job description. Now, uh, you might be a little bit confused, but follow me here for a moment. If the uni church pastor is me, you might be wondering who the uni church ministers are. Notice that that's plural. Now, does anyone have a guess at who the uni church ministers are? I'll give you a hint. A minister is simply someone who does ministry. Who are the uni church ministers? That's exactly right. 
you guys are the uni church ministers because all of God's people do the work of ministry, don't they? You know, I really was joking about the metal ear tag thing, don't worry, but here's a suggestion that we could actually do. You know, uh, Josh was just showing us about these name tags that you can get, you know, either printed out at the front or you can write your name on it. It'd be worth considering putting the title Uni Church Minister at the bottom right of each of those name tags. So as you, you walk into church and put on that name tag and someone meets you and they look and it says, Uni Church Minister, Jacinta Patterson, Uni Church Minister, Josh Page. That would be quite a thing, wouldn't it? It would be a reminder that I'm actually here to serve. Each one of us, we're here to do ministry. Just imagine 100 plus people walking around on a Sunday, all whose name tags say Uni Church Minister. Hey, it might confuse a few people at first, but it would be thoroughly biblical and it would probably lead to some great chats about what church is really about, wouldn't it? So a minister's job description is, unsurprisingly, uh, ministry. But what does that actually mean? Like, how does Ephesians 4 flesh out what ministry actually is and what it looks like? Well, have a look in your Bibles with me where we see in verse 15 where it puts a bit more flesh on those bones. Verse 15, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. So this shows us that uh, part of what ministry looks like is speaking the truth in love. Now, it's important to clarify here, uh, speaking the truth in love does not just mean that you tell someone a hard truth because you love them. Like, uh, you know, hey man, you've got something in your teeth, like I know it's a bit awkward to have this conversation, uh, but I'm really loving you by telling you, because it's better for you to find out now rather than later. Or like, hey, I think you need to put on a bit more deodorant, Um, like for the sake of others, I'm just speaking the truth in love here. Now, that may be a very important ministry, and by all means, please do have those conversations when they need to be had. But that's not what Ephesians 4 is talking about. Ephesians 4 is not just talking about any truth. It's got a particular kind of truth in mind. And we know that because of verses 20 to 21. Have a look. Check it out. Verse 20, after warning against sinful ways of living, it says, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ... And we're taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You notice that phrase? The truth that is in Jesus. Not just speaking any truth or someone's truth, but speaking the truth in love. The truth that's in Jesus. A truth about Jesus' perfect life. His death for our sins. His resurrection from the dead. His rule at God's right hand. His second coming when he will come again and judge the living and the dead. Those are gospel truths, the truth that is in Jesus. And that is the kind of truth that verse 15 is talking about when it says we we speak the truth in love. It's about speaking gospel truth in love, picturing a kind of community where all of God's people are speaking about Jesus with each other. Whether it's during the service, as we sing to each other, as we've already done tonight, singing the truth of Jesus to each other. Whether it's after the service, as we chat about God's word. Or during the week, as we talk about life and what we're struggling with. The work of ministry is not fancy or complicated. It's simply speaking gospel truth in love to each other. And so we can expand uh, our job description. The Uni Church ministers, that's you guys, do ministry, namely speaking gospel truth in love. 
Uh, because when you stop and think about it, uh, the truth that is in Jesus has massive implications for every part of our lives. Uh, think about your work life, for example. Uh, when we face hardships or setbacks or opposition at work, the gospel, the truth about Jesus, it comforts us because it reminds us that our ultimate hope is not in a glamorous career, but in the gift of life that Jesus has given us. And that's comforting when, when things are going hard, right? It reminds us we've got something better to hold on to. The gospel can comfort us in the midst of, you know, the grind and, and the challenges of Monday to Friday. When we face temptation to lie or cut corners, whether that's at work or whether that's at uni with an assignment, uh, will I get chat, you know, bot to write this assignment for me? Well, the gospel, in those moments when no one else might see, the gospel motivates us to do what is right because we're now driven by the approval of our loving Heavenly Father, but not by our boss or our own ambition or our grades. Or when things go really well and we face success and wealth and accolades, the gospel humbles us and grounds us and protects us from the pride and idolatry that could so easily lead us astray. I mean, we're only scratching the surface here, aren't we? And it's every area of life, work or money or relationships, academics, sexuality or leisure or friendships, whether times are good or bad, the truth that is in Jesus has profound implications for every part of life. And together as a church, we want to grow in our gospel fluency. A gospel fluency, how quickly the words of the truth of Jesus just roll off our tongue as we face all kinds of life situations together. That's something that we want to grow in together as we seek to speak the gospel truth in love. Okay, so we've looked at my job description, equip God's people for the work of ministry. We've looked at your job description to do the work of ministry, speaking the truth in love. But you know, no good job description is complete unless it actually tells us the goal or purpose that we're working towards. What are we actually aiming at? What are we trying to achieve by all this activity we're doing? Well, thankfully, Ephesians 4 tells us exactly that. And the goal of all this work is that we all become mature, more like Christ in every respect. Have a look in your Bibles with me where we see this in verses 12 to 13. It says, uh, pastors and teachers are given uh, to equip his people for the work of ministry so that, now, so that is a purpose clause. It's, It's all about the goal of this ministry. So that what? The body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What's the goal? It's that the body of Christ, that's everyone who believes in Jesus, therefore belongs to Jesus, is that the body of Christ would all be built up and become mature, Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In short, it means becoming like Jesus in every way. In all his fullness, in every way becoming like Christ. Jesus is what defines Christian maturity. Think about Jesus' self-sacrificial love. His tenderness towards the weak and the outcast. His grace towards the sinner but also his courage in the face of opposition and persecution. 
his boldness to confront corrupt leaders, his righteous anger at hypocrisy. And not only his character, but also his convictions. Notice that verse 13 specifically mentions faith and knowledge. A mature Christian is someone who is conformed to Christ in our thinking too. Who's firmly grounded in the knowledge of the Son of God, so that we're not infants who are tossed around by every false or worldly teaching. And so Christian maturity means becoming more like Jesus, not just in some respects that we happen to like, like, oh yeah, I really like that compassion stuff, but not, I'm not really into that justice stuff. No, it's not, it's not a pick and choose. It's a package deal. The wholeness, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Or as 15, uh, verse 15 puts it, it's becoming in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. If Christ is the head and, and we together are the body, it was kind of like how just as the DNA in your body, you know, in your limbs, matches the DNA in your head, the picture is that so Christians would likewise match the DNA of our head, of our Lord Jesus, in every respect. And brothers and sisters, that is our goal and our purpose and our prayer and our longing as a Christian community here at Uni Church. Not that we would become the biggest mega church. Not that we would have the biggest budget. Not that we would run the most entertaining events. That's not our goal. Our goal is that we would become mature, fixing our eyes on Jesus and allowing him to shape us more and more in his likeness. That both for us as individuals and also us as a, together as a community, we would increasingly be like our Lord and Savior. And that for anyone who visits, they couldn't help but smell the aroma of Christ among us. They couldn't help but feel welcomed and loved. They couldn't help but feel convicted of their sin while at the same time experiencing the grace and forgiveness that's found in Christ alone and his death in our place. They they couldn't help but feel drawn to Jesus and see his glory. That they would come here and see a community where Jesus is always on our lips and overflowing from our hearts and into our lives. That is our goal and our prayer as Uni Church. And as our passage today finishes, it gives us one final beautiful image of what it looks like for us to become that kind of community. A picture for us to strive towards, and that is that the body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Check it out in your Bibles with me at verse 16. Have a look. Verse 16, from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, notice that the body of Christ here, body of Christ being God's people, it's not passively chilling while some professional comes in from the outside and does all the work of building it up. No, the body of Christ does what? It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And I've got to say, I've been so encouraged to see the ways that this is already happening at Uni Church. I mean, just last week at Camping Ground, it was such an encouraging week with over 100 people coming together. And it wasn't just a few staff who were doing 
the work of ministry. It was all of God's people doing the work of ministry. People leading Bible studies, leading the main sessions, running seminars and electives. And not just in those formal ways either, but in formal ways as people were speaking gospel truth in love over mealtimes, in free time and during the activities. I mean, Alex and I both came away so encouraged at what a beautiful picture it was of Ephesians 4 in action. God's people doing the work of ministry. The body growing and building itself up in love as each part does its work. And of course, that kind of thing doesn't just happen during that one week of the year, but throughout the year at Uni Church. People serving in hub groups on Sundays, in youth and kids. There are so many ways that the body of Christ here is building itself up in love. And so as we look ahead to 2023, as we seek to make disciples together, it's worth asking, what part will you play in that this year? As each part does its work, what might your part be? It could be serving in one of our teams on a Sunday, doing so many of the things that make a gathering like this possible. It could be joining the musos as they lead us in speaking the truth in love to each other in songs every week. Or the sound or PowerPoint teams as they play that crucial role of actually helping us know what words to sing or what words in the creed to say. And to be able to sing and hear it and hear each other. Or the hospitality teams as they help connect people as we share both the gospel and our lives to each other. And of course, speaking the truth in love isn't just limited to those formal roles, is it? It could be coming, committing to come along each Sunday to church this year with the attitude of not just, I'll go if I feel like I might get something out of it, but instead, how can I serve and be a blessing to someone this Sunday? How can I introduce myself to someone who's new and get to know them? How can I speak the truth in love as we chat about God's word after the service? You know, as far as I'm aware, there is no roster that currently exists for that kind of serving. And nor should there be. But can you imagine how profound the impact would be if all of us rocked up every Sunday with that mindset? Union Church minister. What a beautiful picture that would be of the body of Christ growing and building itself up in love as each part does its work. Brothers and sisters at Uni Church, I can't tell you how excited I am to start this year uh, with you guys as your pastor. Not so that I can do ministry for you, but so I can partner with you together as we make disciples together. So that all of us, speaking the gospel truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Let's pray for God's help in doing just that. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've given us in the Lord Jesus. That through his death and resurrection, you have brought us into relationship with you, with the hope of eternal life. Uh, but not only that, through the gospel of your Son, you have brought about a paradigm shift that, that seeps into every single part of our lives. And Father, we confess that it's so easy to lose sight of the truth that is in Jesus and to let that be the center that shapes all of life. 
So Father, please, by your spirit, help us this year to be a community that, that speaks that gospel truth to each other, that encourages and exhorts and spurs each other on, uh, that we would be a place where we're pointing each other to Jesus all the time. Father, please do your work among us to make us more like Jesus. Shape us into his character. Shape us with his convictions to know what is true, uh, to know how to recognize the false and human teachings that we hear around us and the ways that our culture would seek to influence us. Father, make us more like Christ so that we wouldn't be infants tossed around by every uh, wind and wave of teaching, but that we would be solid oaks mature in our Lord Jesus. We pray this in his powerful name. Amen.